Hi, guys. Welcome back this week for another amazing episode of Kiara Spirituality. I am here with my awesome friend, Eric McCure, for a very special treat with you guys. This episode is going to be focusing, uh, focusing on the conspiracy, as I like to call it, of what's going on in our society today. We have a topic focusing on anywhere to AI, to water energy, to vibration, and even some quantum computing and how that is affecting our day-to-day, especially our technologies. And Eric, if you would kindly introduce yourself, explain how we met and what you do. Hi, how are you doing? Uh... So as uh, she said, my name is Eric. Uh, we met originally in Sedona when Kiara did a reading for us. Um, when I say us, uh, myself and my wife, Rose. And uh, we were very blown away by the experience. And uh, just for, for many reasons, we weren't expecting necessarily a lot uh, at first. We kind of just walked in on a whim uh, but Sedona has also always been a very special place for us. Uh, and things just worked out that day that we met and we went someplace else and we had a terrible experience and everything in both of our beings at that point, we're like, no, we're walking away from this place. And it was really last minute that, uh, we had gone to another crystal shop and I like the buy a crystal every time I go to Sedona. I feel like it's an appropriate thing to do. And uh, we happened to walk across the street and had a reading with Kiara and it was amazing. And uh, we've maintained a relationship that uh, has been uh, wonderful and very, uh, Rose and Kiara tend to cross paths uh, unexpectedly and in very interesting ways and at very interesting times. Oh, so, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of been a continuing thing uh, that we were just like, okay, cool. We should probably keep hanging out. So, um, yeah. So I'd say that would be uh, a good summation of our, our relationship at this point. Um, and we love to talk about um, things openly and and with different subjects without uh fear of whatever you know so and I've always found that um very great about you I feel like that's a an awesome sacred space type thing that we have with each other I always feel like you and Rose have so much to offer me as far as your wisdom your time your friendship And on top of that, to be able to have open discussion without judgment is just such a blessing. So I'm so grateful to you guys for that. Oh, thank you. We are grateful for it as well. We really look forward to it. So tell the viewers what it is that you um, do. Uh, So currently I work in the restaurant industry. Um, I'm a manager I have to work with people a lot, obviously, in the public. And so uh, I think sometimes that gives me a good chance to really feel out how, you know, what's happening with the world, how people are talking. I try to kind of like, you know, I have to interact with people, but I'm also in a unique situation where I get to listen to a lot of people when they don't really realize that I hear them. Not that I'm trying to eavesdrop, but it's good to hear if somebody's like, oh, this is a terrible meal, you know, and I can stop the table and be like, everything okay? But I also hear, you know, some of the, the politics and the things. So uh, I that find was that part of it interesting. <laughs> that was definitely an amazing uh, conversation we had the other night at dinner. You were telling me that there were actually two doctors that were there talking? Yeah, yeah, no. Um, and I was doing inventory behind the bar. And again, I'm, I'm kind of in the mix and, you know, I got the little clipboard out, but you can't help but hear people. And it's also my job to interact. So I'll usually say something like, oh, how are you, how are you doing? You know, how's everything? Make myself known. And then I'm kind of sitting there and I'm 
hearing the conversation go on and both are doctors. Um, one is apparently a surgeon because part of the conversation was uh, masks and you know the reason for masks in surgery and things like that. And uh, they, two of them were, you know, making points either direction. And I kind of just would jump in here or there with a little, oh, did you hear or did you know or this is happening or an agreement on either side to see. And they, you know, it was very interesting because one of the things I hadn't heard, um, but the, the gentleman had come and made the point was that one of the other areas that they're having a very hard time getting people vaccinated, what group is people with PhDs in the country is one of the highest groups of unvaccination. And I was like, well, that makes a lot of sense to me. You know what I mean? Like, these are the people that know the best and would question, hey, you know, what are, what are we doing here? Um, so, yeah, it was interesting. And uh, it was interesting to hear the now the tone starts to change, I've noticed. Um, attacking people doesn't work as well. And so uh, they've now you have to try to shift the tone into educating people or talking to people because I feel like, and I don't know if you would agree, people have a knee jerk reaction when you tell them to do something. Anything. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that's kind of what we were talking about previously um, with my other guests. We had Mike and Alec on last week. And we were just kind of talking about how um, it's very sensitive, I feel, society right now, where people are, um, they're finding it like harder to not only be seen, but feel respected enough to share their point of view. And if they feel that somebody else is saying something that kind of goes against them, um, they react instead of create like a space of conversation um, to kind of work out what they're having an issue on. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, no. I, and I feel like, and that's, that's kind of been where I've been trying to go towards because it's been so hard to have and start these conversations with some people is point that out first. You know, why, why are we at this point? where we can't even discuss something, you know? And do you, do you think it's weird that we are at one of the most divisive times that we've ever seen? Division being pushed on us from every different angle. And, you know, most people I feel like will be like, yeah, I agree with that. And so I, I try to use that as a, a starting point to then you know, because if you can find some similarity and then work from there, then maybe though you can come to a reasonable, but it's, uh, it's very hard. There's an echo chamber and I feel like, you know, one of the things that we kind of talked about in the opening that we may touch upon, um, AI or algorithms, um, computers that can selectively put the type of feedback that they want to towards you. So if you are constantly fed a certain line of information and then given all these affirmations from you, what you think are friends or people on social media and things like that, then it becomes truth no matter what it is. I feel like um, when we had saw each other the other night, I thought it was really uh, fun how we were pretty much just talking about whatever came to mind. You were really excited to see me and you're like, I have so much to talk about with my experiences back home because you guys went on a cute little vacation for your birthday. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, that kind of brings us into this next point of the focus for our topic. Um, we actually, if you guys go back to my very first podcast, Eric and Rose were my guests and we were talking about sacred medicine and sacred space in this kind of 
new profound time. I mean, it's only been, I don't know, a couple months later and here we are and things have progressively moved into even more of a division than back then from when we had first done the podcast. So as kind of that before and after, um, I was asking Eric if he wanted to talk about some of these uh, quote unquote conspiracies that are happening in our reality right now. And if you guys don't know what conspiracy means, I'm going to pull it up really fast in our cute little Wikipedia. And we're going to read that to you and we'll see what it says. Conspiracy definition says the action of plotting or conspiring a secret plan by a group to do something unlawful or harmful, right? This is what they say (laughs) the conspiracies are. However... I feel like a lot of the stuff that people may not be noticing because they're focusing on what the media wants them to see. I feel like that's kind of why people are claiming that these other people who have an opinion saying that there is stuff going on and we should be paying attention. They're kind of like, no, they're just calling it. They're just saying that things are happening and that there's no, there's no proof to it. Right. That's kind of what they're getting at. But I'm thinking to myself, well, why don't we go into uh, what water does to the body then and just kind of see from there how it leads into 5G networking and how they're building um, the 5G towers all across the country right now. Have you noticed them? Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, you and I have both uh, been to kind of some of the same areas and I know you've experienced some of the same things. Uh, I remember one of the first times that I noticed was up in Sedona and uh, I was taking pictures and uh, with uh, my wife we were on a hike and my wife always wants me to take the pictures with my phone because she says my phone takes better pictures and then she makes me send them to her and if you've ever sent pictures through like a text message or certain things sometimes it takes a little time to load you know and I went to send a picture and it was like, boom, immediately sent into her phone. And I was like, wow, okay, that was really, really fast. And so I don't know if you, uh, do you know what latency means in terms of like um, computers and things like that? No, what is latency? So when like, this is, this is a different uh, I shouldn't use, I was going to say about the news, but uh, well, that could lead us into a whole different thing. But latency, basically, um, the time, the lag from the time that you send something to the time it's received, um, you know, because you're sending something up to a satellite or to a network first, and then it's going to get bounced around and it's going to come back. So even as fast as everything is now, and we've taken it for granted, you know, I came from a time when the little modem made all the noises and if somebody picked up the phone, you got kicked off the internet in those times and what our, you know, speeds, processing speeds and latency are now, this is like just next level. It's, it's not instant, but it's so much faster. Um, and these types of things have been, I don't know if you've heard about, but have been brought up in um, trading and Wall Street and things like that. No. Yeah. So, I mean, if you imagine if you are able to read the stock prices faster and make a trade faster than, say, Common Joe on his computer at his place. If you paid for higher speed internet, you have a better connection, you have fiber optic, whatever it is, you have the best advantage that the industry can give you at the time, you can, and especially with the use of computers now that can make decisions faster than human beings, as soon as see a stock price hit something so quickly, buy it up and sell it out before somebody else with a lower um, computing power 
longer latency, things like that can deal with. And it just makes it unfair. That kind of reminds me of um, a lot of people are, I think it's called scrappers or scrapers or something that are um, going in and buying a bunch of PC components for multiple softwares to get as many computers that they can as possible so that they could do like crypto coin uh, mining and all that crap uh, like more like with bots. So say like you have 20 units like 20 different computers and you're able to quickly purchase buy sell all at the same time as soon as uh the um the what is that term called when you have like a computer program scanning um oh the algorithm they check Mm -hmm. the algorithms for when's the best time to sell when's the best time to buy and how much and when I feel like that reminds me a lot of that because at that point you're putting people at a disadvantage who don't have 20 different computers um, to kind of get all of that cryptocurrency. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, no. And they're actually in some ways are fighting like almost energy war on the crypto mining at this point because it's the only way to stop some of it. I mean, China and some other countries have been trying to ban crypto mining, um, but uh, again, it's so hard to regulate because you can hide where you're doing it from, essentially. And so they just try to actually make it to the point where the energy costs for running all the computers because it takes a, you know, a certain amount of energy to run the computers to do these computations. You have to pay that electrical bill that they're trying to make it so that the electrical bill will either be equal to or slightly higher or so close that you're not really making that much money off huh. of it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a very interesting form of like asymmetrical warfare in currency. Um, which yeah, it could be a whole nother uh, episode, but uh, I feel like on the one hand, like that's one of the focuses of things that are happening right now. And then another focus that has been happening is uh, they've been trying to get people to buy all the new technology, all the new cell phones or trying to get people to get rid of their old technology and upgrade to all the new components for the computers and everything. And oh, I feel like yeah. that. I feel like that has a lot to do with um, the whole like 5G movement that people seem to think is just like a technological advancement, which they're not wrong. I'm pretty sure. Isn't there two different forms of the 5G? Uh, well, yeah. And this is um, yeah, this has been a thing, like I said, when I, I talk about like asymmetrical warfare, um, these, this type of stuff happens between countries all the time and technology is one of the leading ways. Huawei, um, you know, it's under the Trump administration was, uh, and I think one of their CEOs is still being held in France or, um, in Canada. And, uh, they basically were trying to push all of their 5g out first and do it cheaper and get it out across Europe and all these places. And, and it was a really big push that kind of fell under the radar for a lot of people. I feel like, I don't know if you um, noticed it during Trump's times. When, uh, what was the, that they were kind of changing up all of the 5G or? Like fighting about the 5G in, in general and Huawei and all that kind of deal. Yeah. So like those were basically, um, you know, my feeling on this, and this is just a a theory, is that um, any technologies that are put forth to the public, militaries have already tested and have the first try at. So the the 5G, like I said, with the, the latency and the how much just how powerful it is and how much information can be transmitted so quickly as far as from a war standpoint is um, an amazing tool 
you know, it, it's like it changes the game like GPS did. Yeah, knowing where something is and knowing, you know, and being able to coordinate movement of things was such a huge thing when we used to sail around just looking at the stars, you know, it's, and then being able to have these 5G setups and whoever had all of that information was going to have the power, I feel like. And so the two major competing powers seem to have been uh, us and, you know, the Chinese companies of Huawei. Um, I also noticed, like, because I did some research on what the dangers of 5G that they talk about, and um, it was saying, like, how the U.S. is currently leading the way for 5G as far as June 2016 was concerned during, like, the Federal Communications Commissions. um, There was a gentleman named Tom Wheeler who announced the opening of a low, mid, and high spectrum of the 5G, stating that there was... um, Apparently, they didn't even mention if there were health effects whatsoever, but there are dangers. As far as what I've researched, even in just the low-level wireless radio frequency, um, there are radiation exposures that have adverse biological um, effects, including even to our DNA, like a DNA single and double-strand breaks, which is insane, oxidative damage to the body disruption of cell metabolism, increased blood brain barrier permeability, melatonin reduction, disruption of brain glucose metabolism, the generation of stress proteins and all so many, so many more things. And this is like, I don't even know. It's such a big broadband that um, the frequency is on the same capacity of a radio wave which if it connects to our body, um, our body is made up of a large amount of water. I don't know the exact percentage, but it's more than 80%. And um, these waves, uh, in the past, radio waves do not permeate through the water molecule, but the 5G uh, is said to actually be able to break into a water molecule, which is terrifying. Uh, yeah, no. Um, and we talk about, you know, we talk about conspiracy things at the beginning of this, but this is that that's something that's not uh, a conspiracy. Um, water, just as you said, uh, the reason your microwave works is because of water molecules. And the microwave uh, is set at a certain frequency that is set to the same frequency that excites the water molecule. And it causes it to spin so quickly that it causes friction and eventually causes the heat to cause it to boil. Um, And some of these bandwidths are absolutely in the microwave range. The FCC is one of the, you know, you, you can't start your own radio station. You can't like illegally broadcast it. Why are they so controlling of the wavelengths? Because they are powerful in ways, not just communication, but their influence. Um, Nikola Tesla, as you were mentioning earlier, uh, was in, I forget at what point, was talking about that he was actually uh, upset that he had chose 60 hertz because he felt that it could be damaging to human beings and he hadn't done enough experimentation with that frequency range it was picked more at almost like a convenience type of a thing and so i mean somebody who was well aware of what frequencies do and how powerful they are um, that realized oh geez we have to check to make sure if these are bad for people, because like you said, we're made of water. Water can be influenced by frequencies. You're putting frequencies out there. So there's obviously the possibility of some influence. I mean, I think you would agree with that, (laughs) obviously. Yeah, and even with what you were talking about, um, I was reading into the Tesla coil, which is the original experiment that used the high voltage radio frequency, and it discharges from an output terminal 
that the actual Tesla coil poses a unique hazard that's not found in other high voltage equipment, because this in particular is a conduit, right? So radio stations have a, a conduit energy component because humans are like their own like little radios, right? So with a human who has water inside them uh, being connected to these microwaves, um, the radiation just kind of moves straight into the antenna, you know, because we're a walking antenna. And from his experiment, what you were talking about, it was from the 50 to the 60 hertz um, as the primary current from the supply transformer to reach the output terminal, which is basically if you have a box with like a coil in it that's perfectly rounded, connected to like a light bulb, for instance, the charge will connect to the center console, the box itself, it'll send the electromagnetic uh, energy into the coil, which will spin it up in a circle, you know, round all the way up to the top and it creates electricity. So those, uh, the best example of this is if you've seen those cute little kids toys that are the balls with the electricity inside of it, you know what I'm talking about? Yep. That's yeah. Those are the best. So that is like the perfect example of what this experiment is. But imagine without the glass protecting you from the electricity, the voltage would and it's way stronger than that tiny little cute, you know, lamp that goes in your Uh, room. Yeah, much, much higher frequency, (laughs) much more powerful. Uh, It's like 10 to 20 kilohertz of power, which if you can imagine, that's what the nervous system uh, currents are our human currents and we are said mm. to be high voltage uh you know beings because of our water but basically what happens is that electricity will uh like shock off of that coil and land on the ground and it can break it can break barriers it can electrocute a human um it could cause uh radio waves in the brain to kind of scramble the brain um, you imagine it, right? It's it's an ionized air path through the body into the ground, and it can cause electrocution. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, it's a phenomenon similar that actually we've we've seen in nature in a way, um, and they call them sprites. I don't know if you've ever heard of that um, term before. What is that? Uh, so it is basically um, like positive um, uh, lightning that well, goes from the cloud up out into space or our uh, ionosphere, basically. And it wasn't until, I forget, probably late 90s, early 2000s, that we even realized that it happened, uh, that all the times that, that people have been flying and were like, Oh, that was weird. That lightning bolt looked like it went from down to up instead of, you know, the other way towards the ground. And again, they're extremely high energy, um, very high frequency, and they blast out upwards instead of into the ground. And it's one of the reasons that electrical, um, uh, like electricians and things like that, they study electrical theory it's not electrical law because we don't know everything about it and uh there's some uh, very interesting and amazing effects and again they they affect us they affect water if you get electrocuted you will (laughs) feel it obviously but uh i feel um it's really important to take note of these things because your cell phone is literally a walking electromagnetic transformer it's a tiny little box with crystals inside of it that sends off electrical pulses that's why they say like please for the love of god do not sleep with your cell phone um next to you at night because the um, the cell phone is still active with its electromagnetic waves. And because water is conductive, um, and you're made of water, the, uh, phone can just send these waves right next to you and they go straight into your brain and into your body and they can cause, um, other health issues down the line, like cancer or, um, brain damage or blood pressure rate high, um, things like that. 
that's why in spirituality, um, there's this practice that's called Hertz, which is cool because Hertz is actually also the term that we use to describe these um, electrical energies. A her- you know, it's a Hertz current. And a Hertz, technically, if you look at the definition, it says the Hertz is a derived unit of frequency in the international system of units and is defined as one cycle per second. It was named after Heinrich Rudolf Hertz from 1957 to 1894. The first person to provide conclusive proof of the existence of electromagnetic magnetic waves was Heinrich Rudolf Hertz, which is why it's named after him. And in a lot of the sound bowl meditations that I do, um, when you're playing the crystal bowls or even the Tibetan bowls or a drum or uh, any of these instruments, an instrument gives off a Hertz uh, depending on the tone and the tone. And an interesting fact that my friend was telling me about is that um, the guitar is actually um, tuned to a specific Hertz that is uh, actually damaging uh, to humans, which is very interesting when they're playing music online because mm-hmm. um, there's the differences between 432 Hertz and 440. I believe right, right. that the 432 Hertz is the Hertz that we use um, among uh, harmony. Currently, the standard tuning is 440. Uh, in the times of like Mozart, uh, and when we say, um, just to clarify for people maybe who don't know, as you know, she was alluding, as it's a unit of measurement, um, for 440, um, we would say, like, uh, I forget if it's supposed to be middle C or A, but you usually gauge it off of one note, um, middle C on a piano, yeah, or A, I think it is, yeah, A for this, and back in the times of Mozart, uh, they were tuned down to about, probably they figure about 410 uh, hertz. Wow. And yeah, yeah, it was a significant difference. And it has been said through musical theory history. um, I play guitar and come from a family of uh, musicians as well, that uh, it was tuned up to add brightness to orchestras. Um, The conspiracy theory behind it, as we would say, is that it is more disruptive um, to human beings. Now, the proof behind this uh, that I would show um, is a car horn. And I don't know if you've ever noticed, but how annoying is a car horn. Eh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, literally. It is made that way on purpose. And they Disruption. intentionally found the most annoying and alarming tone that you could do. And most car horns actually use um, two horns. And they play one tone and then just semi off of that tone because it causes a, um, a vibration that's very annoying and very the, the waves combat each other. And it, it, if you look at it on a uh, graph and just hearing it, it sounds really, really annoying. And there are two tones that you're not supposed to normally play together in music because they sound bad together. Um, so there is you know, a science to the effect even just on an emotional level um, or physical level of our response to frequency. And you know, what's interesting too, is like, you're saying that it's tuned at like 440 right now Um, at 432. Guess what else is also the frequency of 432 Hertz? (laughs) I don't know. What is it? Water. (laughs) There you go. So it's interesting, um, if we were to play the tuning of the guitar at 432 hertz, it would actually be in resonance with, as they call it, um, it's called kind of the heartbeat of the earth. 
um, which is also at 256 hertz, which is a mm. frequency of a multiple of eight hertz, which turns into 432. So that is like a golden ratio for positive reinforcement to the body. Um, I would kind of challenge anybody listening to look up the difference between a 432 hertz comparison of a 440 hertz guitar and see how you feel personally, or even just look up the differences and how that affects you. Because it's a very fascinating thing when we're talking about water molecules being affected by a hertz ratio. Another very um, well-known experiment that has actually been researched by a lot of people was by uh, Masaru Emoto, who is actually a um, very consciously growing Japanese scientist who was super fascinated in the water theory. He actually wrote a book called The Water Theory, and um, there's been a, many, many takes on his interpretation. And basically, if you haven't heard of him, um, it may seem really absurd that you could, you know, put rice in water and talk to it saying different things. Um, and it would actually change the way that the rice uh, was affected in the water over a period of time. Um, if you look up his experiment, basically he would tell the cups of rice water um, that he loved it. He would say, I love you. He would say, I hate you. And he would see how once the crystals were frozen, what the actual snowflake particles would look like in an amorphous form. Um, I will be posting all of this stuff in the advertisement for this particular podcast. That way you guys can kind of look at the images and how beautiful the love water molecule looks versus the thank you versus the hate you versus Mozart symphony versus I will kill you. It's a very fascinating um, experiment because it proved that water is affected by frequency. Yeah, it was uh, definitely uh, very interesting when you see the results and done by somebody who does it in a scientific manner and, you know, you can, many people have tried and say, okay, let's repeat this and see. Um, and our brains are electrical. Our body is electrical that works on frequency. So the idea of frequencies and different, uh, electrical fields influencing others is not far-fetched. You know what I mean? It, 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 there is a basis for that. I think it's awesome to talk about all this stuff, especially with someone that, um, like we, we know a lot of different things. I feel like separately and together, but when we actually get to come together and talk about that, I feel like it's more fun. Um, just so you guys have the definitions of what vibration and frequency is a vibration refers to oscillating and vibrating movement of atoms and particles caused by energy. Even solid objects like tables are actually made up of microscopic vibrating atoms that receive store and emit energy. A frequency is measured in Hertz units and is a rate at which vibrations and oscillations occur. Frequencies are used to determine and differentiate vibrational patterns. So an atom that is vibrating at a faster rate would be considered a higher frequency than one that is vibrating at a much slower rate. Fun, fun, yeah, fun. That, that, you know, it's, uh, it sounds complicated but again when we look at um astrology uh what happens with our solar system there is a regular rotational pattern to each planet and it rotates around the center of something similar to way an atom works and and actually our you know our picture of atoms has changed a little bit and we're not sure exactly how um, you know, some of that works, but it seems to be in the same way and things orbit and they cycle and there is oscillation, there's vibration and, uh, 
why is it repeatable or it seems to be repeatable on so many scales? You know, why do we say that rings a bell with me? <laughs> you know, because you resonate with something. Um, so I feel like it's it's a combination of intuitive, but also, you know, scientific that that seems to be the way things work. So trying to understand that better in the relationships um, that it has to us and to this world, I think is kind of what we both try to do, but maybe from different takes. Yeah, and I appreciate it too. I feel like you always have a lot to kind of provide as far as your experience. Um, I remember previously we were talking about how you actually were uh, put, you chose, I think, right, to go into the military. Uh, What was your experience with having come out of that experience and being able to uh, do this kind of research and find out deeper meanings of things? Um, you know, I, uh, it was, I don't like to, uh, uh, think badly of any point in my previous life because, uh, I'm happy that I'm here where I am now. And so I wouldn't change anything. And I took a lot of experience from that. You know, there's always those times when you're like, oh, if I could have done things differently, but, uh, no, I had the experience that I had and, uh, it was good. Um, I, it wasn't all good. It wasn't terrible, but it was what it was. And I learned a lot from it at a young age. And I was very happy with that because I got, I feel like I got a really, um, a a good picture at a young age of how the real world works. You have an image of how the military is and, you know, this well-oiled machine and, all these things and not to say that in some ways it's not but there are things that I was like oh really like that's how we're we do things that's how it's still done yeah yeah we got, I'm like okay and there's like old technologies being used in areas and then very high technologies that are being used in other areas and you're like why is there tube technology um when I say tube technology I'm referring to a transistor tube. Do you know what that is? No, what is that? Okay, so a transistor tube is one of the first um, like big uh, things that happened for computing and electronics like way back in the day (laughs) when we were first doing these things. And uh, if anybody who plays guitar, old amplifiers used to have transistor tubes. And it's basically an electronic component um, that uh, uses some electrical principles to either amplify or control um, electrical signals. And like I said, it's utilizing amplifiers to um, bring up the level of things or control a high level of electricity with a low level of electricity. Little complicated, but overall, basically, you should know it's an old technology <laughs> that uh, now a computer chip is the equivalent of millions of transistors um, and things like that. So this technology was in some of the air traffic control towers. And then he would go into an officer's, um, you know, uh, office, (laughs) redundant, but what it was. And uh, they would have a brand new um, Apple, Mac, whatever. Oh, I remember you telling me about this, yeah. Yeah, and you're just like, how are you using this technology to land multi-million dollar planes? And this guy over here has got more expensive, more sophisticated, that he's writing memos for soldiers, you know, and how to iron their uniforms. And some of the bureaucracy and the silliness that I was like, okay, this is not exactly what I was hoping it was. But again, I learned a lot from it. Um, But uh, there's also, I learned that whatever the military has, you are 10 to 15 years behind knowing about at minimum. Um, 
And when we talked about frequencies and things like that, uh, you can go on and Google eight to nine years ago, they did a demonstration about um, crowd dispersal and how they were trying to use non-lethal, they call it non-lethal at first, of course, methods of crowd dispersal. And basically they used a satellite dish on top of a truck that if you, they pointed it at you, started to cook you like a microwave. Oh my. <laughs> whatever distance. And again, this is not conspiracy. This is technology that we've shown that we have the capability of doing. Now, if that can be used for crowd dispersal and non-lethal, how much does it take to turn that up and turn that lethal? Probably not too much. So um, where are we at with that technology now, if that was nine years ago? Um, do you know what the, uh, the stealth fighter is? Um, is it uh, a radio con or like a radio controlled plane or? No, this is uh, one of the original um, stealth planes. Uh, it was the F-117A, I believe, Nighthawk. And it was one of the first stealth planes that was unveiled to the public. And it was unveiled in the 80s. It was originally designed at the late 50s, early 60s, and was put into production probably around, I forget when the uh, work said, but somewhere uh, late 60s, early 70s. And then was flying for at least 10 years before it was released to the public. And so, I mean, just using that as a, a marker or a measure, you know, that again, the technologies are probably, and at least, and, and again, for good reason, national security, you don't want to show the enemy what you have. The, what technologies are we 10 years ahead from showing the public? Wow. Yeah. And that it, is it can be a scary thought. That's definitely something for a lot of people to think about as far as like, um, I know for me, like I've always been super fascinated in um, sci-fi and like the future. And one of my, my favorite movies growing up was actually iRobot and um, it had Will Smith in it and it was talking talking about what the future would be like if there were these AI technologically advanced robots that could actually uh, do simple tasks, help you run the house, uh, walk your dog, do the work that we want to, we don't want to do like maybe mail travel or things of that nature. And we're not so far from that being our future now, <laughs> are we? No, no. And, uh, you know, and it's one of those things. Uh, I know you are uh, a chess player or were a chess player at one point. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, and as a chess player myself, um, you learn to play things out a couple of moves, you know, out. And what is the, the next move, you know, as you create robots that can first at least do the dangerous jobs, right? It starts with that or the menial jobs. They're just, you know, sweeping up. Um, they're doing, uh, you know, checking on, you know, forest fires or things like that. Very dangerous situations that you don't want to send human beings into. Well, what happens when it becomes cheaper to have a robot do something than a human being. Then that job goes away. And what do you do with that human being who no longer has a job and maybe doesn't have the education level to get a higher than menial job? Um, and those are ethical, moral, um, economical issues that will eventually come to the forefront, I feel like. 
it's a bit concerning, especially considering that. Um, so Elon Musk actually did a interview really slightly talking about his Tesla robot. And he was saying, uh, I guess it was in a joking way, but what he was insinuating was that um, if you needed to overpower the robot that you could, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a concern for my mind was, like, oh, well, why would you need to defend yourself against uh, the robot? <laughs> you know mm. what I mean? Yep. Uh, well, that it's, it's going to happen or like anything's coming from it or whatever. But just the concern that this is a very real situation. It is a very real topic. It's coming out in the open and people are starting to really um more understand that we have this not so far future coming pretty quickly. We have uh, AI technology that's on the horizon of being not only in your cell phones, but in your homes, your lights, your uh, clocks, your doorbell, you name it. We have this AI technology. And who is to say that they can't just, you know, take a little peek in there and for the national security and check in and make sure that you're doing what you're supposed to. Uh, there really is no, um, no definition or no stopping them. (laughs) Really. They don't have to give an excuse as long as they tell the public that they're not using it for any, um, bad cause, you know? Uh, well, yeah, unfortunately we, we've already laid the groundwork for that. Um, you know, because of fear. And you know, we gave away so many of these rights. And, and uh, unfortunately, a lot of them were probably an illusion. They probably were spying even before they went ahead and said, oh, Patriot Act, we can go ahead and spy on this many people for this reason, if it's national security, blah, blah, blah. And you know that's one of the problems with, um, with a military and with national security and these unchecked powers um who's to say what's for national security you know and uh the ai systems and things that we're again seeing we have to assume that there is probably even better uh i don't know if you're familiar with as a chess player um the program alpha zero um i used to be more into it as i was really fascinated in chess, but I cannot remember um, all of the details behind it, if you want to remind me. So Alpha Zero um, was the last time I checked, there was actually a couple of new AI programs that are out. Um, But for a long time, there was uh, Stockfish and Leela Zero and um, maybe one other computer program. That was really good. And for the uh, listener, um, going back to Gary Kasparov, uh, there was a big deal way back in the day, the first time that a computer beat a human being playing chess. Oh, yeah. And that was seen as being a really big and kind of scary turning point that literally some people, and I think Gary Kasparov actually said, um, I don't know if he meant it in a funny way or whatever the quote was, but that, you know, this means robots are going to take over because <laughs> he got beat at one point. And uh, that was years and years and years ago. These programs have advanced to a very high level. And uh, again, you're probably familiar with, but for the listener, uh, the way most chess programs work, they just look at layers of moves. You move one move, and then this move could happen or this many moves could happen. And it just keeps making a tree of moves until it finds what is the best quote unquote move for that situation. Um, and it used to be a more subjective thing, but they've got it down to a pretty good science now where computer programs will trounce the best human like players. Now they started to put computer programs against each other. They came out with Alpha Zero, and Alpha Zero had never played any other chess computers besides itself. It was a self-learning AI program that they just let it play against itself for thousands, millions of games until it was like, okay, I know how to play chess. 
and then they unleashed it against other programs and it destroyed other programs in such a way that grandmasters people who really understand the game were like that was scary literally was one of the quotes from um he was one of the top gms at the time uh not uh magnus carlson but uh one of the other guys and he was like no literally you don't understand that program did things in ways to make the other program do things like a human would have it didn't play just straight the best move it played positionally it played knowing that it was playing against the computer almost and it was that much closer to actually playing like we play but with the power of a computer brain um and yeah it was like i said and people who don't play chess maybe aren't <laughs> understanding that or impressed by that but you know i think you could understand of people who really are under no chess for them to be like ooh yeah that's that's almost like a person and that's also kind of a thing that you know people who are starting to more understand uh their video games or even like playing with these candy crush for example like say candy crush beats you um every time you try to win imagine that but with a ai technology that's um aware instead of the computer uh that's kind of just pre-programmed to candy crush imagine if candy crush was a ai and it was actually playing against you and it kept winning when you're like a master candy crush pressure. I feel like that's kind of the equivalent to um, this kind of understanding is like, whoa, like you're taking aback, like, oh my gosh, a computer just beat me. I should probably be concerned um, about like, maybe I need to work more on my, my uh, mastery. But I believe that if you understand that you're kind of the, the master of that type of focus, um, it's a little bit of a concern everything that's coming out right now is just, it's a lot, but it's fascinating. And I think that rather than being in any sense of fear at all, because this is mostly just to have an awareness, um, when you're aware, you can pretty much make decisions to prep yourself and be, uh, kind of ready for whatever could come your way in the future. Um, I feel like it's good to have these kinds of conversations because this is a lot of information and, you know, people can really take away from this and learn what's going on. What, what is in my cell phone? What happens when I listen to music, even like, you know, Ariana Grande, I'm not sure what her hurts is. I'm sure you guys could go do some research and look up what hurts her music's in, but I would challenge you to look at what equivalent that hurts is as far as the scale of what a hurts represents. I'm kind of curious, actually. I might do that really fast. So let's look it up. <laughs> let's see. Ariana um, hurts. Go ahead. Yeah. And on a kind of a side note, while you're looking that up, um, you know, they're doing, you know, uh, just light wavelength research that they found um, that people with certain neurological disorders um, feel better in certain lights, you know, just certain spectrums. And very basic level of frequency and things like that. So, I mean, if you see a red light and we feel a certain way, you see red on insects in nature, on snakes, it's an alarming color. It makes you take notice. Um, and blue is pretty universally kind of a cool color of a calming color um and it just seems to be that if you know that's possible then yeah why not sound why not electrical wavelengths and sound and emf and radio waves they're all on the same spectrum and it just keeps going and one of the things that you're talking about you know guitars being tuned to things um, there is a thing called sympathetic vibration. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of that. No. What is that? So sympathetic vibration refers to a phenomenon um, and it's easily seen on guitars um, or other stringed instruments. 
if you were to hit the low E string, so when I say low E, I mean like the bass lower ooh, E, uh, the higher E string will start to resonate. The other strings will have a certain amount of, you know, residual vibration because they're all attached to the same guitar, but nowhere near the resonation of the other E string, even though you haven't hit it because it is tuned to that frequency as soon as another frequency that's sympathetic, the same um, octave or because um, notes repeat, just as colors repeat. So when you look at the rainbow, it goes come from like a, a red, purple, blue type of a thing. Uh, and then if you were to keep going, it keeps repeating itself. Well, it's the same thing with notes and a low E and high E have certain vibrational um, and mathematical similarities. So if that can happen on just that vibrational level, you know, what if they were able to find the tune of or the frequency of sadness? you know, morose, a feeling or an emotion. And that's definitely, I think a lot of people are emotionally affected by music. Um, it's really interesting with you talking about that because um, I feel like people don't really know that they are easily affected by these types of things. Um, and that's kind of why when you when you really relate to a song, like, you're not only relating to the words, you're relating to the sound that's emanating, um, the tunes, the bass, the uh, feel of what the song is kind of describing. And I feel like that's something important to note for humanity is that we're very empathetic creatures. Like we're, we're very much um, capable of being affected by this energy at times, you know, and it's always good to make sure that you're taking care of yourself as far as is like, you know, am I in a healthy mindset? Am I being overstimulated? Um, have I been affected by something around me and whatnot? That's why all of this is pretty important to take note of just to have an awareness that way you can protect yourself for future. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, and I think it, it, understanding these, you know, bases in science help it make uh, things that like what you do more approachable. Um, someone who has a good ear for music naturally and can hear the vibrational differences and tones. Some people can listen to notes and tell you exactly what note it is. And we think that like, you know, somebody who doesn't know how to do that would think that's like magic almost. Like, what are you talking about? Like that sound, like, how do you know that's an A? Like, well, it sounds like this. How do you know the color red is red? You've just looked at it enough and been, okay, that's red. And it looks different than blue. But when you try to describe the difference of red to blue to somebody, it's a very hard thing to do. So someone with your ability levels, I feel like, is just somebody who is open to those other vibrational levels instead of just sight and sound you know those higher levels of brain and emotional and spiritual because it's very likely that if you believe in spiritual things that there's vibrational things to spiritual too so it seems to repeat on every level that's why i'm super passionate about sound bowl healings because the sound bowl sessions especially with uh the different tunes that the bowls are actually hurts calculated to, um, they all have a, uh, a E D whatever note attached to them based off of which chakra that they correspond to. And chakras are these, uh, energy centers inside of the human body that are, um, if you go into Hinduism, uh, it's actually very explained where you guys could do more research on chakras. And I'm sure those of you that know what they are, you understand that there are different frequency energy fields, um, that could be affected by color. And when you play the bowls, the bowls actually correspond to those parts of our body, kind of like a, a hemisphere in the brain, you know, it, 
it can make you feel better. It can heal different things that are out of whack. It could put you into a, a sense of an alignment, so to speak. Um, and yeah, going back to what hurts all of the music of today is tuned to it. It is that uh, 440 hurts uh, the actual pitch of all of that music. So Ariana Grande, Drake, uh, Kanye, all of them, they're all tuned to the 440 pitch. But if you look up what this uh, song in the 432 pitch sounds like, um, it's a very slight, very slight difference, but you mm. can tell just by listening to it, that it feels so much more, I don't know, powerful, immersive. That would be definitely something for you guys to go check out on your own time. But yeah, I mean, this is uh, pretty much what we were thinking of talking about. It's a lot for you guys to take away from. Um, it's been pretty awesome chatting with you, Eric. Um, do you have any last thoughts for the viewers? Uh, no, no, I feel like, yeah, we feel like we've, We've covered quite a bit, but uh, no, it was a pleasure just to uh, talk with you on some of these subjects. And uh, yeah, no, I love your point of view and uh, hopefully we weren't uh, too all over the place and uh, people got an idea of kind of what we were kind of going for. But uh, yeah, thank you. Um, as far as directing them to you for questions, Eric, is there a specific place that they can reach out to you or should I have them uh, email me so that if they do have questions, they can contact you through there? What would you prefer? Um, yeah, you can link my the, that email that I use um, for this uh, meeting is fine. Um, yeah, no, I'd uh, like to talk to people that are open minded and, uh, you know, uh, interested in, in some of these things. So I am super excited to, in the very near future, have Eric, Alec and Mike actually do a show together where the three of them will be talking more about these deeper, uh, generational conspiracies, as I called earlier in the message for this particular episode. I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in and always supporting and listening. If you do have questions or you want to be in a podcast and chat with any one of the people that have been in my previous episodes, um, just reach out to me. The emails will be linked in the description as well as the social media for Crystal Prophecy LLC. Um, if you guys are wanting to find more avenues to reach us, uh, my website is crystalprophecy.live, L-I-V-E. Um, you're welcome to check out any services there if you are curious about the sound bass and what that is. Um, it's actually listed on the website. And yeah, I'm so happy to have had you, Eric. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. It was a pleasure. Uh, we are on Apple podcasting spotify and now amazon podcasting as well um and i am so happy to have had this time with you guys so have a wonderful rest of your day and we will tune in next time thank you guys